0: encourage them, support them. Your encouragement means the world to them. So I just want to challenge you with that. But uh, anyway, Pastor Shane asked me a couple weeks ago, he said, hey, I want you to come and uh, share on a Sunday night. And I'd like you to share your testimony. And uh, he said, keep it to 30 minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, apparently... Uh,
1: Alright! Testify! Come on and testify! Show your face! Testify! Get it out! Testify! Who's ready to show your face? Who's ready to tell your story? Come on now! Are you ready to listen? Woo! Can I get an amen? Amen!
0: Can I get an amen? Now, if you're curious, those guys are really like that. I mean, they're, they're hilarious. So thank you for that. I don't know who I have to think about that, but I'll, I'll meet you in the parking lot in just a minute. But so this afternoon when I was thinking and uh, what I have on, on the last couple of years, what I've been trained and preparing to do is share my testimony in about three minutes. And some of you are like, praise the Lord. And so, But I've spent the last week expanding it. So it's going to be a little more than three minutes, but uh, as I was seeking some inspiration this afternoon, just sort of going over my final thoughts and, and ideas, I, I caught the Braves game. If, uh, if you didn't get a chance to watch one of their new pitchers, he pitching a great game. And during that, the Hall of Fame inductees were doing their speeches. And I was like, well, let's see. Is there something I can get from their speeches that might help me out. So to begin, I would like to take this opportunity to thank the chairman of the Baseball Hall of Fame for this opportunity. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, it was neat. Chipper Jones was a guy that I grew up loving to watch, and and it was fun. And I aspired to be a switch hitter like he did. And uh, so when I would play my sister, um, I would bat left-handed to help her out. So um, that was my switch hitting career in a nutshell. But hey, I could hit a wiffle ball pretty good left-handed. But, uh, but anyway, enough about sports and all that crazy stuff. Let me tell you a little bit about my life. Some of you know my mom and dad, and uh, some of you have known them quite well. But when I grew up, that was my mom and dad. They're crazy, and uh, you can tell that by looking at me. But we had, we had a typical growing, a uh, raising, at, you know, a, a good Christian home, but as I was growing up, we weren't super consistent when it came to church going. And now, I got saved when I was young, uh, part of my testimony, and it was just, it's, it's one of those sweet moments, and uh, a preacher preached the message and just felt convicted, but instead of responding uh, during the invitation, I was at home in bed, and I just felt compelled by the Lord. And so my prayer was very simple, very childlike, but very simple. I said, Jesus, here's the key to my heart. Come into my heart and live in my heart. Well, in that moment, I thought that that meant something radical was going to change. All of a sudden that, you know, you're walking in glory instead of, you know, walking in the world or whatever. And I just really didn't understand what that looked like. And so the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, next couple of years, really struggled with understanding what that looked like. What that meant because i expected a radical change what i did not know but th- there was a radical change i went from destined to hell to destined to heaven and what i did not understand was there were some responsibilities on my part that allowed for that growing allowed for that developing allowed for that maturing and at that time i just didn't know that and so When I made that decision to follow Jesus, and I loved Jesus, and and I I wanted to to live my life in a way that honored Him, but I didn't know how that looked. I didn't know what that meant. And so we would go to church, and I would get the the same basic uh, instructions, and and I would learn a little bit, but it wouldn't really grab a hold in my life. Never really rooted. I got to sixth grade, and sixth grade was a very tough year for me. Um, And all through elementary school, I always had a lot of friends when I got to sixth grade all of that changed. Now some of you if you can't remember sixth grade that's about the time that a lot of things change and not only in your social life but in your personal life. There are a lot of physical changes, a lot of emotional changes, a lot of changes that happen and that was the year, that was the time frame for me that things started changing and all my friends changed. I went from having a lot of friends and a great support system to not many friends. Struggled with insecurity, struggled with self-confidence, 6th grade was a miserable year for me. And I uh, really struggled with that. Well, about that time my dad had got transferred and so we he went from working in Gainesville to working in Athens. So we moved to Lula. That's a great middle point and you know some of you are like Lula of all places Lula. So but my parents uh, or my dad's parents and and most of his family lived in Lula. So moving to Lula kind of moved us closer to them. And uh, so we grew up in Lula and uh, I went from North Hall to East Hall And that was exciting for me because I wanted a fresh start. I needed a fresh start. I was really struggling. The friends that I had at sixth grade were not good people. And so there was a lot of things, a lot of bad habits, a lot of things that I was picking up. And uh, I fully believe had I stayed in that circle of friends, I could have gotten a lot more trouble. And sports has always been a big part of my life, and I really believe that God gave me a desire to to be successful in sports, and that was one of the things that actually kept me from staying out of trouble. I mean, I, I was devoted to being a professional athlete. As you can tell, that worked out for me in my favor, and uh, no, it didn't. So, but... Uh, all through my early years when I could have easily made poor decisions and, and chose past whether it was drugs or alcohol, I was surrounded with those situations, but I always said no. As a matter of fact, I wrote an essay in fifth grade for the D.A.R.E. program, and I won some award, don't even remember what it was, but it was all about me being a professional athlete and how I'm gonna stay clean of drugs and alcohol because of that. So that was my conviction in that, but that did not necessarily keep me out of everything else. And so my friends had a huge influence a really negative influence, and so I really started struggling with some sin. I really started struggling particularly the way I talked, who I talked to, how I treated them, Um, and when I moved to East Hall, obviously I had to start over with my friends, and so I did latch on to a couple of good Christian people, but I still had those other friends, and those other friends continued to have an influence in my life. Working up through high school, My eighth grade year, I tried out for the high school baseball team, and I made the baseball team. If you've ever heard stories about a guy's locker room, the reality of those stories is probably worse. Um, A guy's locker room, especially middle school, high school, is not a good place to be a a godly young man trying to grow up in a a Christian world. There's a lot of influences in there that are really bad. There are a lot of conversations in there that are really bad. So I had those influences in my life. played football. Um, so my eighth grade year that spring, we played baseball. The summer between my eighth grade year and my ninth grade year, I was working out on the baseball team. Football coach said, hey, you ever played football? I was like, no. He said, you get to hit people really hard, and I don't, you don't get in trouble. I said, I'm in. So, um, So I played football for two years. Again, another locker room, another group of friends that weren't always the best influences. And so I played through my sophomore year. And there's a good friend of mine that moved into the area about my sophomore year. She was a good, solid, godly young lady. And for whatever reason, we just hit it off. She was a hunter. I was a hunter. So we had that in common and uh, loved talking to her because she was just a good old country, country girl that loved to hunt. And uh, so we, we'd sit down and have lunch and talk. and Man, I had a great respect for her. She was a solid Christian person and it's one of the first people in my life that really I thought you know what there's something different about this girl this girl is legit like she's awesome and so we'd hang out and we talk. but what she did not know was the other lifestyle that I had when I was around her I was a good dude I wasn't trying to impress her it wasn't anything like that she was a very dear friend of mine there was nothing romantic about it but she was just somebody that I liked hanging out with and I was a good person around her But around everybody else, I was still me. And so one day, those two worlds crossed paths. I was hanging out with my buddies and uh, talking the way I talk, acting the way I acted. And she sees me. And she was so mad at me. And she said, dude, like, I didn't know you cussed. I didn't know you talked like that. I didn't know you acted like that. I said, well, yeah, that's... Well, I've been for a while. I don't, I'm surprised you haven't. And she called me out on it. She said, I, I thought you were something else. And so it really, it really got a hold of me. Well, She then invited me to church. She said, hey, you need to go to church. I said, sure, that sounds like fun. And at this point in my life, church wasn't a priority. Church didn't mean a whole lot to me. Um, I deer hunted and I turkey hunted. And out of the year, that's about six months out of the year, that those Sundays are preoccupied. I've got a schedule to be in a deer stand or in a turkey blind somewhere in the woods that I had to be. And that was important to me. And so I went to church with her one Sunday morning. And uh, we went to church together. And the preacher that morning was preaching out of James. And he was preaching about dead faith. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit just punched me right in the chin. And the whole message, man, it was just tearing me up. God got a hold of my heart, and I just knew it. I was like, man, this is, this is for me. He is preaching to me. And so it was one of those typical invitation moments when the invitation comes, and I stand up, and there's like 20 people this way, and like 20 people this way, and I was going to have to bypass all these people, and I was like, I ain't getting up. But I was so tore up about it, I was literally physically shaking. My friend leaned over and said, are you okay? I said, I'm fine, leave me alone. She said, are you sure you're okay? No, I, I'm fine. Let me alone. I was, she could see that, man, I was just tore up, but I never went down. But God got a hold of my heart enough, and I told Shane, I said, uh, this, this Bible right here, it's a few years old, this is the Bible that I went home and I opened up for the first time in forever. And I went home, and I opened Scripture, and I said, okay, God, I, I don't know what's going on. You just got all over me, and I need something. I know I need something from you. And so I read. I don't even remember what I read. I mean, I was a guy looking for a needle in a haystack. I had no idea how to read a Bible. I had no idea what to read a Bible. I had no idea what Scripture to look up. I just started reading. And so as I was looking, God just continued to give me a desire to learn more and more and more. And that night, I I remembered that a friend of mine goes to a church, First Baptist Church of Lula. And uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to go to church tonight. And so I go over to this church, and a good friend of mine, Daryl Womack, at the time he was not my friend, but uh, he was the pastor of that church, and he um, became a person, a very important person in my life. But that, that Sunday night, he was preaching on Christianity and how Christianity is not a religion, Well, that blew my mind. What do you mean it's not a religion? Yeah, it's a religion. I mean, you study religion in in school, Christianity falls under religion. Yeah, it's a religion. It's got a Bible. It's got a God. I mean, it's got all the things that religion has. What are you talking about? It's not a religion. But as he talked more and more, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, it just, I was like, dude, that is it. That is it. That's, That's the missing piece. That's the thing. The whole time I had been living my life saying, hey, my good, as long as my good outweighs my bad, it's okay. I've got it. As long as my good outweighs my bad, as long as I try to live for Jesus and try to do good things and try to do the religious acts, I'm okay, right? Like, like that, that's that's what life's about. That's what Christianity is about, right? No. And in that moment, God revealed to me that I had been living life as a religion. It's not a religion and you know, pastor Shane preached on it and, and really did a great job of describing living a life as a carnal believer. And that's what I was doing. I was feeding the I was feeding the flesh. I was doing what I wanted to do. And occasionally I was giving Jesus some of my time. Again, as good as my good, as long as my good outweighs the bad, it's all good, right? And I was just living life that way. Feeding my flesh, not feeding the spirit. And so When all of this happened, I realized in that moment, you know what? I didn't know what it meant to be a a Christian. I didn't understand. My faith, yes, I love Jesus, but I didn't know what that meant. Like, what does it mean to be a follower? I had faith in God. I knew he was there. I knew Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I knew those things, and I believed those things. But I had not let him be king in my life. And so... I rededicated my life in that in that time period I said okay you know what I'm all in I'm done with this half in half out I'm done with feeding the flesh I'm done with those things I want Jesus to be the centerpiece of my life and so when I made that decision I started going to First Baptist Church of Lula and and again Daryl became a very good friend of mine actually dated one of his daughters for a little while and uh he became a unique friend in that moment, and uh, so it's kind of weird that your, your pastor is uh, the, the father of your girlfriend. It was just kind of weird, but, uh, but then after I broke up, we all of a sudden became really good friends. I don't know what that was about, but, <laughs> but a few months later, after I'd been coming for a little while, he comes up to me and he says, hey, Justin, I'd like you to go to Moldova with me. I said, Moldova? Where's that, Alabama? He said, <laughs> He said, "No." He said, "The other direction and a few thousand miles more." I said, "That sounds like the other side of the world." He said, "That's pretty much it." I said, "Well, what am I going there for?" He said, "For a mission trip, tell people about Jesus." I said, "Well, that sounds cool." So he said, "Go home and pray about it." And so I prayed about it. I talked to my parents about it. They were excited about the opportunity. They were nervous as I'll get out, because I was 17 at this time. Never flown outside, never flown, period, at that point. Certainly never left the country. Uh, The Bahamas doesn't count. Um, We went on a cruise to the Bahamas, and that's just about as American as it gets, uh, especially the region that we went to. Um, And so, (laughs) first time really leaving the country, certainly first time leaving the country and needing a passport, doing it at 17 years old, and it was seven of us in a team. There was actually a, a total of like 63 that went, but there was like seven churches that went, and our seven-man team was from our church. And it was all grown men except me. And uh, so I was the little dude that just kind of tagged along. But God really started speaking to me through that process. In the process in getting prepared for that mission trip, I was so thankful that, that the leaders of that team felt compelled to, to do the training necessary and So we went through this rigorous training process in preparation for Moldova. Man, they were talking about spiritual disciplines. They were talking about scriptures. They were talking about so many things. Man, I grew so much in just those few months in preparation. I also got to see God do some really cool things in providing. If I remember correctly, the trip was around $2,500. And and I had a job since I was 16. So the idea of raising $2,500 was like, what? Are you serious? Like, that's my whole year's salary. I mean, how in the world am I going to raise that much money in a few months? And God provided. And God just constantly reminded me, and walking through that with the Lord. And, and, and something I always remind people, when, when I planned an international mission trip, as the leader, I'm not raising $2,500. I'm raising twelve thousand five hundred dollars because I'm trying to raise money for the whole team, and so that was that was the thing that we were seeing. We we pulled together as a team and we raised money as a team, and to watch our team raise the money, it was just a reminder that God has called us to this mission, and we we're so excited to see what He was going to do. And so through that process of training and equipping, I actually had the opportunity to lead my first person to the Lord before we even went to Moldova, and I was so excited. This dude came over to my house, and he was just having a hard time, and at that time we had a swimming pool, so, you know, my house was the house to hang out with because everybody likes to swim, and so he came over, and he was just struggling, and he walked away from the group, and I went over and said, dude, what's up, and he just started talking, and I had an opportunity to, to lead him to the Lord, and it was so invigorating, and it was so exciting, and it was so amazing. And I was like, okay, God, is this, like, this, is this the life that, that you're wanting me to live? I mean, is this, is this what all of that that I missed was supposed to be? And so I just kept trying to be faithful, kept trying to, trying to do the right thing, kept trying to honor the Lord, kept trying to seek Him. And so we went to Moldova. Let me tell you something. As a 17-year-old, and to this day, I still firmly believe that everybody at some point in time needs to go to a third-world country Every single American needs to go to a third-world country because it will humble you. It will humble you. But not only will it humble you, it will remind you of how fickle your faith is sometimes. And I'm not, I'm not knocking Americans. You can, you can be a great, faithful believer in America. But until you go to the international mission field, and you can see this around home too. I, I'm not saying you can't. But you go to a world where they have nothing but Jesus. That's all they have. Literally, that's all they have. And they worship him with so much energy and excitement. Their desire to see their friends, knowing good and well if they share with certain people that they could be arrested or even killed, their desire to still share the gospel in that moment was so challenging to me. It was so encouraging to me. Man, it it rocked my faith. I was like, man, I'm I'm a lazy Christian. Let's be real. Man, I grew up in a great home. My mom and dad provided. I never wanted anything. I mean, my mom and dad took good care of me. I had a car. I had a car that was more expensive than most everybody's car over there. It was amazing. Now, granted, they were driving Mercedes, but um, it it was a little bit different over there. But it was amazing. Through that process, I really felt God calling me to ministry. So just... Prayed about it, thought about it, you know, I was like, okay, God, you know, we're good with this. That that sounds good. But I don't know. So the next year I go back to Moldova. God clarifies for me the calling. He says, student ministry. He says, I don't I want you to work with teenagers. I'm like, Lord, I'm eighteen years old. I'm I don't know if I can handle working with teenagers. I don't really like myself sometimes. So And he's like, No, 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 no. Teenagers, teenagers, teenagers. So coming back from that mission trip, got involved in some ministries uh, through college my senior year led a bible study now at that time my senior year we did not have an fca at east hall and so i led a bible study and then by the end of my senior year we were able to contact uh, fca representatives and get fca into the school we voted on the cabinet um right at the end of my senior year so we we launched into the next year um fca leaders it was so exciting a great time god did some awesome things through that fca the next couple of years had an opportunity to serve as president of Campus Crusades, um, helped out with the BCM, served with the BCM. I was not on leadership with BCM. I was considering leadership for the BCM. And that's when I had an opportunity to meet Alicia. We went. I love telling this, but I'm not going to tell it the way I always tell it because she gets mad at me. But uh, we met in Panama City Beach, and most everybody's like, what? You did what? And say, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what we did while we were there, but no, I'm, I'm kidding. We were, we were actually there on a leadership retreat for the BCM. And so that's how we met. She was with North Georgia. I was with Gainesville College. And so we had a Christian retreat that we were on in Panama City. I know it's a weird place to pick a Christian retreat, but that's where it was. And so we met and uh, very quickly realized that that we were meant to be. And so um, we saw the Lord on that and, and Tried to be faithful, and, and you know what? He said, Hey, you know what? Let's get married. And uh, so, literally, crazy story. So, we met May 4th. The ring was on layaway for three months, and I proposed December 11th. And then we got married May 21st. And uh, my parents are still in whiplash from that one, so <laughs> they're like, What? Wow. <laughs> so, but uh, you know what? And God's been so good. We've, we've got two wonderful boys. But through that process, as we got married and uh, I was struggling in college because I was fighting God. I said, God, I don't know. Ministry, you don't make much money. It's just, it's tough. You got to deal with people all the time. I mean, come on, God, you got to have something else for me, right? At the time, I loved to build houses or build stuff. The idea of building houses for a living sounded awesome. And so I started college architecture was my degree initially took Cal one my first semester in college made a 96 on my first test everything's going great and then God took that love for me and the idea of having to go to school as long as I did to build houses just was no longer appealing so I changed my major changed my major again not in ministry changed my major again still not in ministry changed my major again still not in ministry at this point, I've been at UPS for a couple of years, got promoted in supervision. And uh, I thought, you know what? Maybe a career at UPS is what, it's, what's, what I'm supposed to do. Knowing good and well in my heart that that's not the case, but hey, UPS pays really good. So that can't be bad, right? So I thought, you know what? Let's do this. And so God just would not leave me alone, though. And, and Alicia and I, in January of 2008, we said, okay, God, this is you, this is your deal. You make the decision clear for us, because I'm going to make the wrong one. And so our prayer was, make the decision. And so we prayed through that. I put my letter in for full-time management at UPS, and I put a resume out for ministry. And God slammed the door shut at UPS. I was the next man in line, and somebody somebody beneath me was promoted over me. And it was a bad situation, and my first response was that flesh saying, oh, I'm going to get them back. But it took about 15 seconds to realize God just slammed the door because that was the answer. And so I retracted my letter to full-time management. I said, you know what? God wants me in ministry. He just made it very clear. And so I let my resume sit, and within a few months, I had a pastor call me and ask me to serve in ministry as a youth pastor, and God just provided and God blessed. Let me tell you something. I was nervous. I was nervous. We were married. We were thinking about kids. We had two part-time jobs, and she was working at the bank. She just got started at the bank. I was like, how in the world are we going to provide for a family? How in the world are we going to make it work? But God continued to provide and provide and provide, and through all of that, God reminded me of his faithfulness. God reminded me of his love, and so actually, August, in a few days, I'll be celebrating 10 years of ministry and and God just continuing to provide. There were times when Alicia was able to stay home and our kids and uh, raise our kids the way she had desired to do her whole life because God provided just a little bit more in our check and it was just enough. But God was sufficient and God constantly reminded us that I've got this. So I want to encourage you guys with a couple of things here. I don't, want to, I don't want to leave without sharing a little bit of Scripture and a challenge. First thing is, do you have a testimony? In John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, John the Baptist, many of you know, was sent before Jesus to prophesy about the coming Savior, the coming Messiah, It says this, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for us for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness to that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming to the world. There's two things here I want to encourage you with. We were sent here to bear witness to the light, the light of Jesus. We were sent here. And your testimony, my testimony, is a story of how that light impacted our lives. So my first question to you is this. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony? Do you have a story of how Jesus came into your life and changed your life? Because if you don't, you can have one. You can leave tonight with a story. If you don't have a testimony, if you can't sit there and think, you know what, there's a time where I decided to follow Jesus, where I asked him to come and be my Savior and believed in him. If you don't have that story, I want to encourage you. Make that decision tonight. Make that your story. Make being a light in the community real. Give him permission to guide you to go through life with you, to walk with him, have a testimony. But the next thing I want to encourage you is, do you share your testimony? Do you share your life? Now, I left out some of the parts of my testimony, and and I I provided you guys with some that I thought was important tonight, things that I, I felt like you needed to know about me. But our testimony, they're parts of our testimony that are there to impact others. I fully believe that God's blessings for us are meant for other people. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that God's providing for me in so many ways is a testimony to somebody else. A couple of, well, this past uh, March, I took a group of students to Nepal. And when I told them, hey, $2,500 is what you got to raise to go to Nepal, they were like, what? I said, hey, when I was 17 years old, God showed me that he could provide that part of my testimony right here for their life, their story, their encouragement. So your testimony has a story, so don't be afraid to share it. Your testimony. If you're like, hey, I don't know how to share the gospel, just share what happened when Jesus came into your life. That's the gospel. That's your testimony. Your testimony has power. So I want to encourage you with those two things, and we're going to close right now. So every eye closed, every head bowed. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony? Do you have a point in your life where you said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you? If you don't, tonight is the night where you can get that right. Tonight is the night where you can have a testimony. Tonight is the night where you can go home saying, I love Jesus. I love Jesus want to follow jesus i have a testimony of how he changed my life you can be destined for heaven instead of destined for hell you can be radically saved let me tell you something if you've never experienced a miracle that in and of itself is a miracle if you have a testimony but you said justin you know i hadn't shared the gospel with anybody this year it's 2018 august is next week Look back in the previous seven months of this year. Have you shared the gospel with anybody? God has equipped you with the gospel through your own testimony. Just share your testimony. Use that as an opportunity to tell people how much Jesus loves you. So there are two ways you can respond. If you want a testimony, I'm gonna encourage you. You know, your prayer could be as simple as mine was. It really can be. It sounds so childish, but the Bible tells us if we come to Jesus with a childlike faith, we'll be saved. So that's my encouragement to you. You can pray a simple prayer as simple as I did when I was a kid. Hey, Jesus, here's the key to my heart. Come and live in it. Guide me. Walk with me. And he will do so. Or if you're somebody that's a little bit more more wordy and you say, hey, you know what? I got all these things I need to to confess. I'm struggling with. I need to deal with. Then praise God, do it. There's no limit to how long tonight lasts. And we'll rally around you and support you and encourage you and love you if you need it. But I, I, I ask you to do business with the Lord tonight. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Shane. You guys respond, and however the Lord leads you.
1: Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray tonight that you would continue to speak to our hearts during this invitation. And Lord, that you would have your way in our lives. We love you, and we thank you for loving us. Now, before I say amen, church, maybe you're here today, and maybe just like Justin said, Maybe you don't have a testimony, but you'd like one. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, If we confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Dear friend, maybe you're here and you want to get on that right road to, or road to testimony. The first thing you've got to do is you need to be saved. Why don't you say something to the Lord right now, right where you're sitting. Would you say, Lord Jesus... I know I'm a sinner. And I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Tonight I ask you, please forgive me of my sin. Cleanse my heart. Thank you for saving me. I'll live for you.